0: Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College presents Liberty Mail with the student fellows of Faith and Freedom.
1: Hello and welcome to Liberty Mail. I'm Grace Riley and I'm joined by Dr. Paul Kengor, who is a professor here at Grove City College and is the senior director of the Institute for Faith and Freedom. It is such a privilege and honor to have him here. I've taken his classes before and he's just really great. He's the best-selling author of over 20 he's got 20 books or so and he has a new one that he just released called uh, the Devil and Bella Dodd. So it's on her story and communism and her story of redemption. So you're definitely going to want to check this book out. And we're going to talk a bit about Bella Dodd and the book today. But thank you so much for joining me.
0: Well, it's great to be with you. I'm nervous be- being interviewed <laughs> by you. And I'm here in the studio with the Troika of Don Wolf, Olivia Whiteman, and also in, uh, with Grace, also known as the Dream Team.
1: Yeah, we're having a great time here in in the studio. So
0: this is, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. My first appearance on on Liberty Mail.
1: Yeah, which is super exciting. We're super happy to have you. Right on. Uh, Yeah, but just to get into it, tell us a bit about Bella Dodd and how she became what she called a card-holding communist or a card-carrying communist.
0: Yeah, so she's probably the most famous female um, high-ranking party member, communist Mm -hmm. party member in America who left the party and had this very dramatic public split with the communist party. They immediately demonized her, which Mm -hmm. is what they always do. They called her fascist, Nazi, racist. Yeah, I mean, they've been doing this for 100 years, okay? Yeah. Some Somebody on their side leaves, and they just pull out the playbook, page one, go through all the different epithets, right? Anti-Semitic, they called her, which is probably the worst of all of them. I mean, her closest friends were Jewish. When mm-hmm. she got married, she had two witnesses. One was her closest and best friend who was Jewish, and the other person was Jewish, too. So, but, but see, I'm a, I'm responding to their absurd charges. See how it works, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she found herself having to do that, too. But she was, she had this high-profile break from the Communist Party, and then in the 1940s, and 1950s, early 1960s, testified before Congress over and over again, had this massive FBI file, in fact, kind of a backstory here, Grace, mm-hmm. I began filing FOIA requests, Freedom of of Information Act requests for her FBI file through through the help of a colleague, Bill Marshall, who does Mm -hmm. this stuff professionally. And we started finally getting it released. I think it was March 2021. She died in 1969. So that file has been... It, it, it's it's been sealed for 50 years, wow. and, and it's one of the largest we've ever seen. It's one of the most secretive that, that we've ever seen. Her FBI codename—her codename during the McCarthy hearings was The Falcon. That's what they called her, The Falcon. But she was very brave, and she—I'm um, jumping around, probably some of these qu- questions you want to get to. But she was—she um, had this really pivotal faith moment, too, where mm-hmm. she was brought back into the church of her youth, the Catholic Church— by Bishop Fulton Sheen, who was probably the most famous theologian of the 20th century. I mean, it'd be like Fulton Sheen and Billy Graham. I can't think of anybody else who would be even closer than that. But uh, she described her battle with communism as a battle with the devil. So, yeah. you know, that phrase, the devil and Bella Dodge, she said that often. She described her battle as um, as a battle against Satan himself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense, especially since um, one of the things you've noted in your books as well is Christianity and Marxism are incompatible. You can't have the two. They're uh, ideologically inconsistent. As far as lifestyles go, they're inconsistent. So in every way, it seems that, yes, she kind of tried out communism went through Columbia University which uh, which Whitaker Chambers as well a lot of people right. that's that school is quite a history for communism and turning over activists sort of but just considering um, considering that as you said she had a kind of come to God moment with her faith. Can you tell us a little more about that? Since while she was in the Communist Party, she was involved with infiltrating into the church and the clergy and whatnot. Yes.
0: Yeah, so she had to, I mean, to, to be a member of the party, you had to break from the faith. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, one of the people, Manning Johnson, who I quote at great length, he was um, he was a Black American, probably the leading. African-American ex-communist, and the main reason that he left was he continued to attend a, his church, a Baptist church in New York, mm-hmm. while he was a party member, which he knew was absolutely verboten. He was not allowed to do that, but that sort of clinging to the faith kept him from fully embracing communism. Marx, in a, in a favorite quote of Fulton Sheen, Sheen quotes this in his book, uh, Communism and the Conscience mm-hmm. of the West, said, communism begins where atheism begins. So so, there was an uh, an understanding that you had to be an atheist to be a communist. And the idea they said of somebody who was who was a Christian becoming a communist, Lenin said, "Well,, that just doesn't make any sense." <laughs> Earl Browder, the head of Communist Party USA, said that. William Z. Foster said that. And, and in fact, they said that. Um, Foster said it in a testimony before Congress. He, he was asked by I think it was Hamilton Fish, mm-hmm. a Congressman. He said, he said, well, can a person be a member of the party and a member of a religious organization? And and Foster's sort of scratching his head and saying, I don't see why you'd want to be a member of a communist party yeah. and be a member of a religious organization. And that's
1: true. I mean, in the back end and behind the scenes throughout history, that's been the sentiment that Marxist leaders have carried on, that they, they don't think that religion is compatible with communism. So it's interesting, I think, to see some of the modern day people on the left thinking that... Christianity and communism are in good cahoots, kind of, and that right. they go together, because they absolutely don't. And even <clears throat> in Bella Dodd's life, you mentioned um, in some of your work, too, she, her family life and her that was also incompatible, because Marxism attacks the family as well.
0: Yeah, she was told not to have children mm-hmm. by, by the party, and Whitaker Chambers went through that as well. In fact, Whitaker Chambers and another party member were living with a woman. And they had what Chambers described as a communist marriage, which meant living together and in those days it was considered a living in sin mm-hmm. and and you shouldn't get married. And they and I mean I think this is like the nineteen <clears> thirties. So there's there's two guys and a girl living at this place and they're all, you know. Having sex together and everything, yeah, and
1: culturally at the time, yeah, that was unheard of. Really
0: radical, really mm-hmm. radical. So when you hear people in the day referred to as kind of godless, immoral communists, I mean, that's that's where all of that came mm-hmm. from. And and with with Chambers, and this happened to Alger Hiss as well. Hiss is the person who um, Chambers outed in the famous Hiss-Chambers case. They were told by the party that when their wives got pregnant, that their wives should have abortions. In fact, um, Alger Hiss's wife, Priscilla Hiss, who did all the typing of the documents that Hiss took from the State Department, she had an abortion. Mm. And, and it, um, it absolutely wrecked her. They never had any children again after that. I think it must have affected her fertility. And they said that this was one of the hardest demons that that she had to deal with. So Chambers was told that. Bella Bella Dodd was told, you shouldn't get married, and if you do get married, you shouldn't have children. You were really supposed to marry the party. Mm -hmm. The party became your everything. And in fact, in the Communist Manifesto, Marx and Engels write, abolition of the family, exclamation mark, even the most radical flare-up of this infamous proposal of the communists. So they were already talking in those days about literally abolishing the family.
1: Yeah, and I think today we see a lot of moves to do that in a lot of different ways culturally, uh, which is interesting to watch these patterns because they're patterns that have been going on for years. I mean, with... Uh, just different things culturally trying to break up the family. And another thing that comes to mind that uh, is related to Belladot on the education front is the fact that communists also wrote that they wanted to separate children from their parents and make sure that the children were parented by the state rather than by their parents. And that took form in the education system and other ideas they had relating to that. So can you speak a little on that? Yeah.
0: Then people yeah. will find that hard to believe, right? Mm-hmm. They'll say, "Ah, they you know, that's I've heard people on the right say that." But it's radical
1: <laughs> it, crazy. Right, yeah. but
0: but it's in all their documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1884, the year after Marx died, Ingalls wrote about it in The Origins of the Family, which is a book he said that Marx wanted to write with him, mm-hmm. and Marx effectively did write with him. Marx had just died, had died the year before. Um, it's, it's, it's in the Communist Manifesto. It, it's, it's, it's in the writings of Lenin. In fact, Communist Manifesto, Marx and Engels kind of snort at the idea of what they call the hallowed correlation between parent and child, right? Wow. This bourgeois claptrap, they call it, about the hallowed correlation between, between parent and child. Well, the relationship between parent and child is hallowed. Mm-hmm. It, it is sacred, mm-hmm. but, but they didn't believe in the sacred. They didn't believe in that. And if you look on the Communist Manifesto at the 10-point plan, the last of these is, quote, free education for all children in public schools. So they wanted to take all children out of home education, which they were against. Marx and Engels were against. Lenin, Stalin, and Trotsky were against take all children out of private religious education and put them in the state collective, mm-hmm. which would be the new center of, centers of indoctrination where religion was mm-hmm. banned. And you know, that, was, that was very much specifically part of the plan spelled out in exact detail. It's absolutely indisputable. Anyone who doesn't know about it and who sniffs at the idea and thinks we're making it up is, 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 is ignorant. <laughs> Look it up. Read yeah. their stuff.
1: No, yeah, no, absolutely. It's true. It is written out. There's a clear like blueprinted plan that Marxists have of their ideology. So when people I agree, when people look at it and just say, "Well, they're not that's not really what they mean." They well, it's exactly what they yeah. mean. They wrote it very clearly. Yep,
0: they did. And
1: even looking now at the current at current events and looking at the state of the education system now and how prevalent indoctrination is in from K through 12 up to the university level now, in whether it be from just an education standpoint and a lack of critical thinking, or whether it be in the in the way that cultural things are impacting now, so now we're seeing all of these sexuality discussions in elementary schools. There's a lot of different ways that I believe we could see these patterns playing out right now.
0: And yeah, and the, somebody, if 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 you said to somebody. Uh, yeah, you know, banning religion in the schools, in the public schools, you know, you know, the communists wanted to do that. Well, they did. Yeah, and it's <laughs> they actually they were the first to do it. They were actually the first to do it, and they they were they were far ahead of the broader left in a lot of these things. I quote, in um, I can't remember if I have it in the Bella Dodd book or not. Mm-hmm. I, I have it in some of my other books, Takedown, Dupes, and mm-hmm. some of the others. And uh, and, in fact, we cover it in my Marxism course, Margaret Sanger's trip to Russia in 1932, Mm -hmm. which she wrote about in Birth Control Review. And she went there to find out how they were doing, you know, government-funded contraception. And she marveled at it. She said, "Wow, it's become part of the regular welfare service of the government. Uh, we we could we could we could well learn from from communist Russia, from Bolshevik Russia. By the way, that's Stalinist Russia at that point." And and she was, to her credit, aghast at the number of abortions that were going on over there. She was shocked. Mm-hmm at that. But but she says in that piece for birth control review. But it's okay. All the Russian officials that I spoke to said that once all the communist goals are realized, neither abortion nor contraception will be necessary. Yeah. And of course, here we are 75 80 90 years after that statement and in America contraception has become part of the regular welfare service of the government.
1: Yeah, and it's so they interesting. they were just way ahead of us. Yeah, and even with that, people's reaction to it now, that it's absurd to not um, kind of recognize that, um, that it's absurd to say, oh, well, that, these are high numbers. That's, that's just discrimination now or saying that women shouldn't have rights and whatever the left would say. But, uh, yeah, just on that, these are a lot of really important topics that we I think we're seeing these patterns play out that you know happened historically and were written down in these ideologies. So everyone should really make sure to pick up this book um, The Devil and Bella Dodd because this is it'll be outlined all of this back Crown stuff, kind of, about Bella Dodd, about her life and her redemption story. So it's definitely going to be worth picking up. Do you want to tell people when it's releasing? Sure.
0: And let me say, too, just as a closing thought, mm-hmm. the most important thing that she did, the most insidious thing, was infiltration. Yeah. An infiltration of, of the teachers' unions, that was her front. That was mm-hmm. her goal. That's what she organized for the party. And allegedly, her infiltration of the priesthood, the Catholic priesthood. Mm-hmm. And that was something that, even aside from the Catholic priesthood, that the that the party infiltrated in the mainline denominations very, very, very vigorously. And I I wrote about that at great length in *The Devil and Karl Marx*. Mm-hmm. And I think when people see that, they'll be shocked. They'll be floored yeah. by that. But that was a that was a deliberate goal, and it's one of the most diabolical things that, that they did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it does show, too, that Marxism isn't just economic. It's cultural all the way through, right. through education, religion, and the family and whatnot. So, yeah, just really, really great stuff. So be sure to look at this book, check out the rest of Dr. Kengor's books. Definitely worth the read.
0: Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, thanks
1: so, so much yeah. for coming on.
0: Good to, good to join you. Thanks. <laughs> For more information on the Institute for Faith and Freedom, visit faithandfreedom.com.